In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue our study in First Samuel. Just a quick review. You guys, now we saw how the relationship between David and Saul has become tense, has become tense. And basically now Saul is trying to kill David. What we saw last time though, a small change in David's attitude. David used to be very pure, used to let God guide his life, used to feel like everything he's doing is in God's hands. Now he started a bit changing slightly. So last, last chapter, we saw him going to Jonathan and we saw him telling him, what have I done wrong to your dad? And started a bit to kind of get his anger out and Jonathan had to calm him down. Obviously all these, as we said, are all human emotions and they are normal. But in the same thing too, David is somebody who have seen the mysteries of God. He was able to kill a lion and a bear by himself. He was able to defeat Goliath. He have seen the work of God in his life in such a significant way. So now he's expected in a way to continue to trust in God. But this is one of the main reasons why I love the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament expresses all our life as human being. Like we enjoy God, we trust in him, we see his works in our life, and then we forget, and then we get weak, and we express our emotion, and then God helps us and guides us. And you almost like all of us are David, on a way. All of us are walking in the same journey. So now we're going to start chapter 21. David is going to make a huge mistake that's going to cause that be the cause of the death of many people. So we'll read the, 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 the book together. Chapter 21. So now David, remember last chapter, David left Jonathan. And now first uh, chapter 20 says, Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? Nob is just a uh, city that's north of Jerusalem. And it's actually called priest city. So you guys remember we have a city for the prophets and a city for the priest. And it seems like this city was established after the death of Eli and his children. And you will see, it, uh, you will see also, uh, uh, presumably during the, t the destruction of Shiloh. And you will see it in Isaiah 10.32 and Nehemiah 11.12. When Ahimelech the priest, he saw David, he was afraid. Why was he afraid? Because David is a general in the army. And it's very unusual to simply see David alone. David should come with soldiers. You know, it's, it's so weird if you just have a president walking to the church. Where are all his bodyguards, you know? So he was, he was worried. Why is he alone? And why is he coming to me? It's very strange. So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business. And said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business in which I sent you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my tongue, um, I have directed my young men to such and such a place. So David lied to the priest. He told him, the main reason I'm coming alone is because the king wants me to finish a business and his business is secret. So I got rid of all my men. I only have two men left with me. This is the first time we see David. Like so last time we saw David trying to use Jonathan 
to deceive the king. And he told him, tell the king that I'm going away for lunch with my family, but he really never went. Today, we see him lying to the priest. Now, I want to tell you guys something important. Lying to, lying in general is a sin, but lying to the priest is a greater sin. Why? Because the priest is the person who, when you sit, you sit with, should your father of confession, your spiritual guide, should be the guide who will, who will lead you and he will help you to discern and to understand what's happening. So when you lie to him or misrepresent the information or you're not super truthful, what happens is, is that you're almost kidda, trying to deceive the voice of God. So it becomes a greater, it becomes very dangerous. That's why it's important we try to be as honest as we can when we sit with our spiritual father, with our father of confession. When I say greater sin, I don't mean that some sins are greater than others. But I mean it could, it could be a cause for us to be separated from God more. Because now we're getting the wrong guidance. We're getting eh, the wrong guidance. Now therefore, what you have on hand, give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. So David told him, look, we're hungry. I'm on a secret mission. Secret mission. I, I do, I, what do you have? What kind of food do you have? By the way, uh, give me five loaves. Five was a, was a unit of measurement, because you know, your finger, your hand had five fingers. So five was a unit of measurement. And it's, it's five is too much for one person, but it's, it's, uh, it's probably enough for probably two or three people. So most likely David was with him, probably one or two servants maximum. So he asked him, give me five loaves for me and my men. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the, ves in the vessel of this day. What's happening here? David told him, Give me bread. The priest, Ali Ahimelech, he told him, I only have holy bread. In the Old Testament, you'll see it in Exodus 25, 30s, there was something called showbread. They would put it on a table before, before God, and they would put actually, it's a 12 pieces of bread, six and six, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're always in front of God. Some people said that they baked them every day. Some people said they baked them every Saturday. But these bread were there. But whenever they consume them, they have to make new bread. And this bread would only be consumed by the priests and the servants of the altar. So, so Ahimelech told him, I don't have any bread that is common for you to eat. But all what I have is the bread that is only allowed for the priests and the servants. Then Ahimelech asked him, how about the couple of men with you? Did they abstain from, from sexual activity? Obviously, in the old days, by the way, people considered war to be a sacred task. So a lot of them will, will abstain from, from sexual relations even, even with their wife. 
فَي تَوْلْدْ هِمْ وَرَ أَلْ كَلِينْ We did not have any relationships and also the vessels with us, our weapons are also clean. What does that mean to us? A lot of times, even in our life when we come to take communion, the church teaches us, even married couple, they abstain from relationships the night before the liturgy, from the sunset before the liturgy, as a way to prepare. We also abstain from food. We should prepare our hearts and our minds to come to take the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here he's telling him, are you guys ready? Are they abstaining? Now, one of the things that's important for us to guys understand that our Lord Jesus Christ referenced this exact story in the Gospel of Matthew 12, in the Gospel of Mark 2, and in the Gospel of Luke 6. I'm going to read to you a small passage to, to remind you. On the Sab one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain field, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of the grains. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what it's un what's unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companion were hungry and in need? In the days of Abithar, the high priest, I'm going to explain why Jesus used Abithar, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gives some to his companion. So Jesus actually approved the act of Ahimelech. What does that mean? It means that even with our church rites, there's always flexibility depending on the circumstances we're in. We are... We, are tr we try to follow the rights as much as we can, yet we continue to be as flexible as we can. Okay? So God actually approved the fact, approved the fact that what Ahimelech did was correct. He should not let these men starve because they cannot eat the holy bread. Would not make sense. And I remember more... One time, one of the fathers was, was to ask us a question. He told us, what would we do if a deacon or a priest fainted in the altar and the ambulance wants to go inside the altar to get them? How would we react? Sometimes the church rites are there, but sometimes there are certain things that require flexibility and require people to be open-minded. And God praised Ahimelech for his action. So the priest gave the, him holy bread, for there were no bread there but the show bread which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. So now the priest gave him the holy bread and told him, and he started putting a new bread uh, once he gave him that bread. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Dewag, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belongs to Saul. David, when he went to the priest's city, he was not expecting to see anybody else. But he saw this man, he's actually an Edomite, it means he's not from Israel, he's a foreigner who works for Saul. And we will see that this man will become a cause for big trouble in the story. This man was in the priest's city. And it does not clear what is he doing in the priest's city. 
Is he taking a spiritual retreat? Is he spending time there? We don't know. Okay? But when David saw him, he probably became uncomfortable. Because this is one of Saul's men, and he can go back and tell Saul that I saw David, and he can reveal all his identity. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Taban David continues his lies. First he lied that he's here to do business. Now he's eating the food of the priest. Now he's lying about, oh, I had to leave quickly so I don't have weapons. And you see, a lie usually needs another lie. So David, in the earlier section, he was telling Ahimelech, we actually were all abstaining from, from uh, any relationships for three days. It means they had time. Now he's telling him, oh, actually, we had to rush. Taban David is a bad liar. It's his first time to lie. So he doesn't know how to yani, lie good. So here we see that when he started lying, he brought in another lie to cover his first lie. And this is, by the way, something we have to be aware of. Some sins in our life could become a constant entering point of the devil in our life. And for example, I have somebody in school that we always cheat together. Now, even if I repent and I confess, I go back to school, and this person can expect that we cheat again because he helped me multiple times or she helped me multiple times. I have somebody, for example, that we have Kedamasan lost all the relationships together. Then I'm expected when I go back, this happens. I have certain people that I'm expected to, to do certain things when I hang out with them, and so on. So some doors, when I keep open, or I start opening them, the devil continues to use them to bring me back to sin. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistines, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in cloth behind the ephod, if you will take it, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it, give it to me. If you guys remember, when David killed Goliath, he took the sword and put it in his tent. And it seems like the sword obviously is a big sword, so they moved it to the priest's city. So the, 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 king was tell, the, the, high, the priest was telling him, we only have the sword of Goliath. You want to take it, take it. It's almost like it's very strange. I'm not, yani, when you look at this verse, you have to wonder, why did God remind David of the, soul of, of the sword of Goliath now? Like David is lying, he's weak, and God is trying to remind him of his victories. Remember when you were honest? Remember when you depended on me? Remember when you defeated Goliath? He also reminds him of the effort. You guys remember I told you the effort is the priest clothes and actually has two stones and you, you inquire from God and one of the stones will light. It's a yes, no answer. He's reminding him of many of the beautiful things that used to happen in his life. To try to wake him up. Somebody from far can look at it and say, say this is a coincidence. But it's not a coincidence. God is working in his life. And obviously, Ahimelech is acting with all purity. In his mind, it did not come across that David is now no longer an alliance with Saul, 
and he ran away. That did not even cross his mind. Then David rose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. So what happened? Once David left the high priest city, he did something that nobody would expect him to do. He went to the land of the enemy. Gath is where Goliath is from. He went to the land of the Philistines. He left the land of Saul, so Saul does not run after him. After he is lying, and after he made these decisions, now he made one of the worst decisions. He went to the lands of the enemy. What does this remind me of? Somebody, for example, comes to church or comes to youth group, and they don't feel welcome. Then they say, okay, I'm not coming to church. You're leaving the land of God to go to the land of the enemy. Some people, somebody, for example, is scared of the future, then they go do magic to see what, what God, what, what's going to happen to them in the future. You're moving into the land of the devil. He's going to the enemy with his own foot. See what happened. And the servants of Achash said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to him, to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David thousands? The song of David was so famous now. And obviously, David killed Goliath, the hero of the city. And now the servants of the king saw him. When they said David is, is the king of the land, it means that either one of two things. It's either... They thought that David now is supervising a certain area and he's like, he's like overruling this part of the land. Or most likely, it was became, is becoming very known that David is the next king. So even the enemy knew that he is the next king. So anybody could say, this is a golden chance. We have David in the land of the enemy and he's coming, and they want to revenge, and they want to kill him. See what happens. Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achash, the king of Goth. When David heard these words, he became worried. Now what are they going to do to me? It's only me and two, two servants. They could take me, they could kill me, they could try to yani, use me as an example. And this is what happens quite often when I submit myself to sin. The devil tries to take me step by step to humiliate me. He shows me, oh, look, leave the church. This is much better. People in the church are judgmental. People are here. People in the church are this. People in the church are that. I remember yani, hearing the amount of criticism that people have for the church is tremendous. And it became a constant food for many people. But where else people will go? Will go to the land of the enemy. What will happen to them? We'll see what will happen to David. Fear. He became afraid. Very common. And then David took these words to heart and he was very afraid. So he changed his behavior before them. Pretended madness in their, in their hands. Scratched on the doors of the gates 
and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Wow. But David said, you know what? If they catch me, I don't know what they're going to do to me. So I'm going to act stupid. He started acting crazy. He let his saliva go down on his beard. He started scratching the walls. He looks like an animal. The sin it started, it started with a lie. It started going to the land of the enemy. It started now becoming humiliated. It started looking like an animal. People look at him. What is this guy? Then Akash said to his servants, Look, you see, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? People think when they go, for example, hang out with people at like parties or, or ce different celebrations outside the church, it will be fun. At the end, whenever people take what they want from you, they leave you. We see this with drugs, we see this with sexual activity, everything. There's no, if there's no real virtue, there's no real bond, it means nothing. So Akash looked at him and said, what is this? Why, what did you, I don't want him. Why did you bring him? Have I need a madman? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? He's telling him, I have so much on my mind, why are you bringing this crazy guy here? I want to tell you guys something quickly about this. This, by the way, is the intervention of God. Because this king could have taken David and could have said, you know what? Crazy, not crazy, I don't care. Let me kill him. Let me make an example of him. But God almost made this king not wanting him. And he acted crazy, and God saved him. And by the way, even when the children of God, when they are sinning, and they were far away from God, God still works in all means to bring them. Here God allowed David to humiliate himself, and now he's opening a door for him to come back. And, and actually, one of the Psalms that David wrote after the story is Psalm 56 after he ran away from this king. And the last verse in this psalm says, for you have delivered my soul from death. You have not kept my feet from falling. Have you not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? He told God, you have saved me from death. You have kept my feet from falling that I may walk in the light of the God of the living. Thank you, God, for you have given me another chance you have given me another chance and David offered repentance at this point in his life sometimes you have to look at the Psalms and the, and the first, first Samuel to understand what happened in the life of David so David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brother and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. So David said, you know what? I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back to the land of Judah. When he came back to the land of Judah, Adullam is about 16 miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's halfway between Gath and Bethlehem. So when the people of Judah, his tribe, heard that he was there, 
a lot of them started coming to him. And when God saw that David repented, he started sending him some comfort. He started sending him some of his family to comfort him. They came from Bethlehem to join him. And everyone who was, dis who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontent discontented gathered to him, so became, he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. So God told him, see, once you come back, I had a plan for you. Why did you leave the land of God? Why did you leave the church? He came back, and now all those who were rejected from society, or those who were, they, you know, had some debts and they ran away because they couldn't pay it, or those who were not happy with their life, they all came to David, and he became their leader. They, they all became his, his leader. Obviously, this has been, you can, th you can imagine this meeting between David and those people who ran away. And David and his family. Sometime when we are broken, the first people that can comfort us the most are those who are broken like us. God sent him his own, his own, David's own people for support and comfort. And now he started giving him some leadership when he repented and when he came back to God. Then David went from there to Mezbah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. David, again, as I was telling you earlier, this is part of his human struggle. Now, he him, he has about 400 men so that they can walk through the mountains and, and hills and up and down. Now he's worried about his parents. His parents are now old. So they can't run, run away with him everywhere. And I'm sure Saul is trying to capture anybody of his family. So he said, you know what? Let me put them again in the land of the enemy. So he took him to the king of Moab, which is about 0.6 miles down. And David told the king, please keep my, my parents here. Obviously, a king like Moab would be very happy to hear that there is a split within the, Israel, the kingdom of Israel. So he would help David because that means that he's making the kingdom of Israel weaker. So we don't know if this move is good or not. The Bible doesn't talk much about it. But he's making himself more vulnerable to the enemy. More vulnerable to the enemy. He's constantly doubting God's plan for himself. And because he's doubting God's plan for himself, he continuously makes all these decisions that are drifting him away from the church and taking him to the land of the enemy. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in a stronghold. So the stronghold refers to, a certain, uh, to an uncertain location, most likely in Judah. So the parents of David stayed in this land until Kedah, David's struggle was over. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went in the forest of Heroth. What's happening here? In the life of David, there's always a prophet that God sends him. 
Samuel, Nathan, and Gad. These are the three prophets in his life. So David constantly doubts that God wants him to be in Israel. So he constantly goes to foreign lands. Gad the prophet came and told him, stay in your family's land. Stay in the church. Don't go outside. Constantly, God is sending him this reminder. You see, I tell you guys something. A lot of times, we might not know the overall plan of God. But most of the time, I know what he wants from me today. Tomorrow. And actually, I was reading in a book recently, and I like the, what the book said. Yani Anon said that Jesus appeared to her and told her, told her, look, I want you to leave all the thinking for me, and you just love me. And this is what God is telling David. Stay where you are. I have saved you multiple times. Continue where you are. You guys, in our spiritual life, there's a period in our life where we want to, to, uh, to struggle a bit with our faith. And faith is challenged when we are in certain areas where we don't know what's coming next. I know what, what's today. I know what God wants me to do, but I don't know what's coming tomorrow. And in these specific times where I need to trust God the most, in this specific time where I need to trust God the most. When the picture is not clear. When I don't know what's going to happen next week. This is what God is telling David. Stay where you are. Stay in the church. And watch what I will do. And we will see what would happen with David in the next few chapters. Miracles that will happen in his life. Because he stayed. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had discovered, had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gaba under the Tamarisk tree in Ramah with the spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Remember, always I was telling you in the Old Testament, whenever a king standing under a tree, he's judging, he's playing the role of a judge. Okay? And he has the spear of his hand. This is a sign of his kingdom. Represents his kingdom. Now Saul heard that David, it's not only now he's one man running, he has 400 people. So now Saul is going to become more angry. Then Saul said to his servants who stood before him, Here now, you Benjamites. Remember, Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. And David is from the tribe of Judah. Well, the son of Jesse... Give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. So Saul is talking to the people under him. It looks like the people under Saul, some of them actually liked David. And some of them had sympathy toward him. Obviously, Saul's own children liked David more than Saul. And they were listening to, to, to David and trying to support him more than their own father. So Saul started to try to 
to, to move their hearts so he can get more information from them. He's telling him, look, you are Benjamites. We are the same family. I gave you money. I will give you rewards. I will give you this. I will give you that. He's from a different family. He's from a different tribe. All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. There is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Saul apparently started learning about some of the deals between Jonathan and David. And he started telling them, nobody's telling me what's happening between Jonathan and David. None of you guys is telling me that even my own son is turning against me. He's trying to make his own servants feel bad for him. And by the way, this is a nice way of tricking. The devil tricks us. Now, for example, somebody is going to drink and tells you, you don't want to come to drink with me? You're going to leave me alone? Like making you feel guilty. The guilty trip. Guilty trip to commit sin. Guilty trip to do what's, what's wrong. You're not going to defend me. Somebody lies and wants you to continue with the lie. And we say, I feel bad. I feel bad, so I cheated. I feel bad, so I made them cheat. I feel bad, so I lied. I feel bad, so I went to this place. This is what Saul was doing. He found that his men, he could not bribe them with money. His personality is not, and his obviously action, because he's not a, he's not a uh, God rejected him. So when he saw these things, he started trying to use a different tactic. Let me try to make them feel bad for me. Any decision that I make away from my principles is wrong. I actually, I remember a while ago, I was reading in a, in a book, Purpose Driven Life. And if I recall correctly, the author said the greatest driving force for people is guilt. A lot of people do things out of guilt. Guilt, fear, materialistic desires, these are top driving forces in people's life. We, as the children of God, live by principles. Then answered Doag. Remember Doag, the guy who was in the, in the, in the priest city? The Odomite who was over, who was sit over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nab to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. So this man, obviously he's a foreigner. He works in the field of, of Saul. And he volunteered to betray David and the priest. Look what he's going to say. Tell him, and he inquired of the Lord for him. He's telling him the priest, the high priest, Ahimelech, inquired of the Lord for him. Obviously, this, not, this did not happen. The high priest did not inquire anything to, for, uh, to, to, uh, from the Lord for David. Give him provision, which is food, and give him the sword of Goliath, the Philistines. Obviously, the list of things that he's saying shows that this priest is conspiring against Saul. He's telling him, he gave him some advice from God. He gave him food. He gave them the sword. Seems like that this man started 
liking the idea that Saul is going to give them money and, and power. So he said, you know, let me get close to him. So he started provoking the suspicion that the priest was aiding David in a military preparation against Saul. And that happens a lot in our life. Sometimes when people see two people angry with each other, they, they like to miss, they share misinformation about them and try to make the problem get bigger and bigger and bigger because everybody likes to vent with somebody who would agree with them. That's why it's always important not to show your weakness. If you're struggling against somebody, do not try to show it to people who could, who could inflame this, 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 this problem between you two. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitab, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Noab, and they all came to the king. So Saul did not only bring the high priest, he brought everybody. The high priest, their family, their children. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitab. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait? Is it is this uh, as it is as this they stay? So he's telling him, Why? Did you conspire with David against me? Be careful because Saul is not willing to hear an answer. His anger and his vengeance is so big that he's not willing to believe anything. And that happens quite often in our life. When I get so angry at somebody or I judge somebody in my mind, sometimes I'm not even willing to accept that there's a small decent part in them. I'm not even willing to give them the, the chance of a doubt. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Ahimelech told him, David, he is the most faithful servant. Who is the king's son-in-law? Like he is your son-in-law. He came to me. Who goes at your bidding. And he is honorable in your house. Then you honor him. You give him your daughter. He's a general. He comes everywhere. Did I then begin to inquire for God for him? Did I be then begin? To, I, I did not ask God for him. Far it be from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servants or to, or to any of the house of my father. For your servants knew nothing of all of this, little or much. Told them, I don't know anything. David came to me. David obviously is very well known. He, he's your son. He's your son-in-law. You make him a, a general. Of course, when he comes to me, I have to treat him with respect. What Ahimelech is saying is very reasonable. Look what, what Saul did. Something unbelievable. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Saul did not obviously inquire. There is no investigation. He believed the foreigner without taking anything into account and he did not only destroy the priest he destroyed the whole city of priests you see how envy and jealousy can make people become 
so savage like this guy. Then the king said to the guards who stood, look at this. The king said to the guards who stood by him, turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. Saul commands the guards, this is the secret service of the king, to kill the priests and their family. Obviously, the guard themselves rebelled. The guard themselves rebelled. They know what Saul is doing is unjust. But also it's important to understand that they are subjugating their own life to danger. And yes, they were serving Saul, the king, and they were trying as much as they can to be obedient. But when he asked them to, to commit a murder, to commit something that is so unlawful, they refused. They put the fear of God before the, the fear of the king. And that's the spirit of the people who are walking with God. Yes, I, even if I have somebody I'm working with or I'm dealing with that difficult, I might try to, try to work with them. But when they ask me to do something against my own morals, against my own principles, I refuse. They ask me to lie? No. They ask me to do something against what's true? No. And the king said to Doag, you turn and kill the priest. So Doag, the Adomite, turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who were linen ephods. Obviously, nobody except Doag, who doesn't understand what is priesthood, doesn't understand the, the, the just, justice of God, he came and he killed all of them. And you have to wonder... Why did the Bible say he was detained before the Lord? Like it's almost like he went to the city of the priest to do a liturgical service. I think like a fake, 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 a fake spiritual act. He had neither respect for the priest nor the fear of God. He was just living in their city. And that, that shows us, that shows us See, this whole story here shows us that some people that might put on an, a religious act might be the enemies of God. And this is, by the way, the fulfillment of the prophecies that God told about Eli's family. Now, all Eli's family were almost dead except one. As also Noab, the city of the priest, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. He, he basically destroyed the whole city completely. You guys remember, God told, told Saul to destroy the Amaleks, and he refused. He kept the king and he kept few people. Here, he, re, he, he destroyed the city of the priest totally to satisfy his own anger. To satisfy his own anger. Now, the son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, named Apithar, escaped and fled after David. 
Here is, here is why Jesus earlier was saying that this happened in the day of Abithor. What happened is Ahimelech and all the priests died except one who fled away, Abithor, who escaped and fled and went to David. And by the way, this is the moment where priesthood was transformed from Saul to David. No longer Saul will have access to priest to tell him the voice of God. Now only the one effort that's left is with Abithar who is going to actually go walk with David. And Abithar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So Abithar went to David and told him the whole story. Look at what David did. So David said to Abithar, I knew that day when Dewag the Adomites was there that he would surely tell Saul. What did David say after this? I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. David took responsibility for what happened. He lied to the high priest in his weakness and he put the high priest under danger and the whole city of the priest was killed because of obviously Saul's anger but also because of David's lie and because of the act's betrayal. So many people contributed, but the only person that took responsibility is David. Why? Because he just repented. And this is the difference between a good heart and an evil heart. A good heart easily confesses and admits their mistake. They can e easily say, I'm sorry. Can easily say, I wanna, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Now, look at this. When David said, I take responsibility, he did not say, I take responsibility so you can look good at the end of the day. No. Responsibility comes with what? With an action. Some people say, I take responsibility, and they do no action. It means nothing. Stay with me. Do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be saved. He told him, stay with me here and I will protect you. I will put my life to save you. I will put my life eh, to save you. The Wag the Amudites, by the way, his name means earthquake, is rightly understood as a figure of the Antichrist who will make martyrs and disturb the whole world, as some of the fathers would say. So, if you look at this, this two chapters, you will see something interesting. And I will conclude with this idea. God wanted David to stay in Judea, in Jerusalem. David got weak and committed sins. And because of these sins, God wanted to make him go back to his original plan. And to go back to this original plan, David paid a price. He had to act crazy, he had to run away, he had to carry on his conscience the death of all the priests. So if David would have stuck where he was and he trusted in God, he would have probably been now in Judah, protected by God. But still God brought him where he is. And sometimes we ask about the will of God. Even when we stray away from the will of God, God brings us back to him. God brings us back to him as his children as he kind of as we as if we trust in him 
and we want to be to follow his will even if we stray a bit he kind of what brings us back so and this shows the interaction the dynamic between the will of God and the will of man and glory be to God forever and ever amen